From the back of the courtroom, a man shouts, You lying bastard! Silence of the court! The judge turns to, to the defendant again and says, You are also charged with killing the paper boy with a shovel. You tightwad! Blurts the spectator. Quiet! Yelled the judge. You are also charged with killing a mailman with an electric drill. You cheap son of a... The spectator starts to shout. The judge thunders back. I will hold you in contempt. What is the reason for your outburst? I've lived next to that lying bastard for ten years now. But do you think he's ever had a tool when I needed to borrow one? (laughs) (laughs) You cheap son of a bitch! (laughs) Outrage! Oh, bro. Oh, the cat. I'm still getting over this cough, so I am gonna... It sounds nasty sometimes. Like, when I breathe in, I can feel it, like, catching on phlegm in my lungs. It's great. Yeah, I've been I've been doing that <coughs> thing, yeah. Yep. To try and push every it time, all out. Every time I go to laugh, it ends up making me cough. Like, every time I, I do. It's great. It's great. Yeah, well... well that's it's perfect for a comedy so. podcast. Well... I mean, what's also perfect is right as you were telling that joke, my cat was taking a dump. Nice. And now this closed room and myself Ooh. are just fuming inside of Why is the it in wonderful smell that... Because I'm, you know, I'm moving. And, like, it's... The closet is technically, like, a massive closet that doesn't really have any clothes in it yet. So it's just a big empty box. And the cats are terrified of the dogs. And they won't go out into the other common space. And... My God. Wow. It's, it's mojo. It's mojo. She's... She's very particular. I mean, all cat piss and poop is very, very pungent. Can you hear my dog whining? Yes, very easily. I, I don't see a little thing coming up on the recorder here, but boy, why I oughta, you know? <laughs> to the moon, Alice. <laughs> to the moon. Hmm. All right, are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> of course I'm ready. Should we do this? All right. Killing your father is called patricide. Killing your mother is called matricide. So what is killing your friend called? Uh, is it something to do with beds? Because when you said matricide, for some reason, I immediately thought of a mattress. So killing your best friend is... No, uh, because matricide, that's killing your mother. No, I know, but I heard the word mattress and that, everything else shut down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, um, what is it? Homicide. Homicide. Oh, oh, that's good. It, there that you still go. took me a second longer than it should have. homicide (laughs) all right yeah kicking it off hey guys just the right foot welcome to contagious curiosity everybody i am laney and i'm kat and we are bringing you more extraterrestrial life we are bringing you more space encounters we are bringing you more aliens yeah and, and to be honest with you if you don't like it you can just get out get out you can get out you don't get you know what i've been seeing blowing up all over my own instagram are Mm. the it's like that concert that matt and trey put on for south park did you realize that there was like a south park 25 year concert oh i did not yeah incredible i'm really upset i didn't know about that that happened in august and we're just now like yeah it's fantastic but you can get out Oh, I bet that was so much fun. It looked fun. The videos oh, are fantastic. Man. It's pretty much just Trey and Matt dressing up in random costumes and singing things from their show. 
Oh, that sounds like <laughs> a dream come true. You kidding me? Mm. Oh. So the, one of the the last family I worked for, the dad looked identical to young Trey. And I could not figure out for the longest time, like for the first couple of weeks, I just kept like catching my st- myself staring at his face and just be like, who are you? And then finally I walked by the living room and there was a, a picture of him like holding his baby. And I was like, oh my fucking God, it's Trey Parker. Oh yeah. my fucking God. And of course he, he has, he's holding his baby. So he's probably really happy in that moment. <laughs> yeah, so he probably has smile. in the eyes. Yeah. Exactly, and the like the little bit of the receding hairline already starting. It was just, it was, it was brilliant. It was. Leah, come on, girl. Oh, thank God! I remember. Only if only their child's name was Leanne. (laughs) Big almond eyes and bushy brown tail. Fast like this. Pretty sure that's the second time we've referenced that show on this podcast. Yeah, no, there's going to be a lot of Cannibal the Musical references just kind of sprinkled in at will. So, yeah, how are you? How's your how's your week been? It's been good. Um, starting to feel the, the boring aspect of my job. And because it hasn't transitioned to that work-from-home environment yet, you know, so not, not only am I driving a tremendous amount of distance for the lowest pay of my life. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Uh, I, I'm... <laughs> In the process of actually moving, so it's been stressful on top of that, and so I don't have my desk, and in fact, I have a giant laundry basket with another laundry basket turned over the top of it as a table. Um, I thought it was brilliant, but 20 minutes in to the setup, I'm learning. Oh, God. I'm not... It's the best redneck engineering. (laughs) I I put a blanket on top of it. It looks nice. In this podcast, we are high... I just, I just push it down. We're doing well. We're doing really well. I mean, I mean, speak for yourself. I'm not doing well. Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. It's not so bad. It's not bad. It's not. It's not so bad. It's, it's just a transitional phase. And of course, here in New England, you know, the sun goes down. It's like, it's like six o'clock now. It's getting worse and it's getting dark. It's getting terrifying. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst part is when you're. You know, in the summer, you're like, it's only seven o'clock. Like, the sun is going to be up for the next couple hours. I got plenty of time. And then in the winter, it's just like, it's seven o'clock. The sun has gone down. I am in pajamas and on my couch. The sun went down like three for hours ago in winter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the Absolutely worst part. not. The day is five hours long, and I spend the rest of the time inside in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unmotivated. It's great. I, I knit sometimes. Oh, I knit lots. I knit lots. <laughs> I just gotta sit down and do it now. Yeah, yeah. I have no time anymore. Sorry, I'm still getting over my colds. That thank God wasn't COVID, but man, did it take my lungs out of commission anyway. Yeah, I'm so dealing I'm with sorry like if I still cough. a month of it. Yeah, it's not letting up. So sorry, but you're gonna right. have to deal with it. You still sound fabulous. It is a sickness. <laughs> Makes me sound better. That's the sickness. Sound better. <laughs> what are you drinking today? <laughs> so I am drinking some whiskey on the rocks. I got some nice Talamore Dew. Just drinking some Irish whiskey on the rocks and calling it a night. That's pretty nice, actually. It is simple. It warms me up. It's just it's straight to well, the point. Plus, it. I feel like I feel it's like, like a, it's what a lot of like small, ufologists like drink. Nestling yourself next to the little crackling cheaply made wood stove yeah see i you have a nice romantic version of that i was thinking of like crazed 
ufologists. It's like two in the afternoon and they're downing their second bottle of whiskey as they're, you know, connecting pieces of string to other pieces of string onto pieces of paper that cover their walls and ceiling and floor. Carol! Carol! There is no Pepe Silvia. Yeah. <laughs> Last year when I was at Comic-Con, there was a guy, there was a young guy that was dressed up as <coughs> as him with like another girl that was holding a board that had all the Pepe Silvia stuff all over it and he would just stand next to it like this with like a fake cigarette in his hand. That was his entire cosplay. So the, sh- the, the short tie too. It's so yeah. important to include the short tie. Oh, so good. Yeah. I just saw a picture actually of uh, Charlie Day and his wife um, at Disney. And I sit oh, there and I, I sit there and I go, oh man, wouldn't it have been just the coolest, huh? Wouldn't have just yeah. been the coolest to see anybody. <clears throat> a lot of the real famous ones, they get to use the, the tunnels under Disney so they don't have to interact and deal with so many people. So it's fucking crazy it's fucking people brilliant. like us wouldn't just, yes, go, <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God, I'm so... Ugh. I'm sorry, hold on, I'm really <laughs> nervous. I'm really nervous. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Speaking of which, right. the con was amazing. Yesterday. Yes, that's Did right. You haven't to... talked about it with me yet. My, I it was so. I wish the only thing is, I, I, you know, there was never enough time with Brendan Fraser, and he had he had the plexiglass. I was um, wondering if that's what so was, was going hard. on. Not he and like one other guy had still had it, which um, totally understandable. I was just you know still like a, is darn it, it is it I would have been COVID? able to is it for COVID or is it yeah. like a personal yeah. choice? Okay. I mean, it was personal choice whether they wanted to have it or not, but it was for COVID, so yes okay. to both. <laughs> gotcha. But it was still amazing, and he looked so good, and it was just seemed so happy, and it's just it was a good time. Oh, he looked it fantastic. Yeah, I was very happy, and there were just so many incredible costumes. Like there was a a, a guy in a Robin Hood, but the Disney style Robin Hood with a very realistic face mask, like Fox mask that took up his whole head and he had you know like he was super tall too and he had fox feet and fox hands and like a bow and it was just it was really well done it looked like a fucking new york though i mean people probably pull you know they they pull out all the stops for new york oh all of the stops all of the stops yeah it was incredible and then of course you know (laughs) nick and i walking around as as uh rick and morty yeah ridiculous (laughs) Wait, who who was Rick and who was Morty? Well, he was Rick because he's got his blue hair right uh, now. And I've got my super sh- short hair. So <laughs> it's Morty. Easiest costume ever. Oh, that's White perfect. White shoes, yellow shirt. Done. <laughs> <laughs> got it on sale? Yeah. Although the shoes, fucking shoes I wore, they are like, I, I got them in the mail because all of the Amazon, goddamn fucking Amazon reviews were like, size down, size down. They're huge. So I was like, okay, I'm usually an eight and a half. I guess I'll size down to an eight. So small. And when I was first walking around to them in the apartment, you know, you take like five to ten steps. You're like, okay, it's not that bad. I, c- I can deal with it. And then I walked like only a hundred yards and I was like, I cannot deal with it. And Nick and I were walking for nine hours oh. straight yesterday. And so I, I like, before... It even opened. We were like made a mad dash to Macy's because his pants were falling down because they were too big. So he needed a belt. My toes were already getting fucking blisters on them. And it's like an hour before the doors even open to Comic Con. Okay, we we gotta recalibrate. (laughs) And I ended up like we ran into Macy's. I found some cheap 
shoes and I was telling the girl who was ringing me out and so she's like so how long have you worn them I was like honestly like 45 minutes and I can't do it she's like would it be weird if I kept them I was like I was gonna throw them away anyway yeah go ahead would it be weird if I kept you work in Macy's shoe department which is huge it's is ginormous it? it's so big it's like I almost got lost at just the shoe department alone it's so big I've never even been to a Macy's. The Macy's in New York is out of control. It's like nine levels or something like that. Seven levels. It's huge. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, I mean, like, it's a tourist destination because it is, like, the Macy's of the world. Oh, so when you think of, like, the Macy's Day Parade, you know, you're thinking this, mm-hmm. this is, this is, you know, it's I like always. a staple of New York City. It, sh- it should show you how much I know because I always thought it was the Macy's Day Parade was after some famous person. Not a fucking huh. store. So. The big star and like, you know, all the advertising for Macy's. The oh, I never watch it. I never watch oh. it. Oh. I've oh. never watched the Macy's Day Parade. Really? I just thought, I thought there was significance what? to it. Yeah. No, I ain't, I ain't into that life. I ain't. I don't. Did you watch the dog show instead? What? The dog show? What? What do you do on Thanksgiving? Oh, God, we eat, we get drunk, and then most of us take a nap, and then we get... Well, yeah, we... but the, the parade and the dog show were, like, early in the day. Those are staples no. of American Thanksgiving, which is, like, the only... So isn't you know. what's like, on what the television the that my parents put on. My dad my dad goes right after the meal while everybody else is picking up, and that motherfucker puts mash on the television. So, like... What about, like, the whole beginning of the day when everybody's still cooking and hanging out? I don't know. TV's on, like, from the moment we wake up. Yeah. Like, the moment we go to bed, which probably isn't a great thing. But, like, the dog show was always, I mean, you, you did the Macy's Day Parade, and then somebody was also keeping track of what was going on in the dog show. And by the time, you know, like, the, the parade's done, you catch up with the rest of the dog show. It was always, like, there's, this, there's, there's the schedule of things you watch and listen to during Thanksgiving. That's so crazy. Oh, if the TV was on, I mean, somebody's maybe watching a movie, but we're not watching... We're not watching that. Um, usually, like I said, drinking. We eat Thanksgiving meal around like one or two, you know. Yeah. And so we've been cooking all all morning, and it's usually just my mom and like one one or two other people. That is um, nuts And after everything is said and done, yeah, we just. I don't just think I've call ever it a met day. anybody who didn't watch one or the other. I'm actually really surprised that. I didn't. I didn't know that you never me. knew that about us. And also, that <laughs> I, I didn't we realize how big of a Thanksgiving deal. Morning together. No, no. <gasps> I didn't realize how big of a deal it was to me even until I heard that you didn't do it, and I don't know why. That's such a stance that. What I do you even do on Thanksgiving? <gasps> what the fuck is wrong with you? There are no other options. Any I other saw, option I is wrong. American. That's not American. <laughs> that is un-American. What do you got? You, you live in a goddamn barn in Pakistan. <laughs> What was that? Freddie? Mm. Freddie got fingered. I'm not trying to offend anybody. Yeah. <laughs> well, I say that and then I literally quote Freddie got fingered, which is yeah. a pretty... I said no offense first, okay? If you say no offense, it doesn't count. Exactly. Nothing can be <laughs> offensive after that. Oh, did I tell you what I was drinking today? No, you didn't. Let's get into a... this. This is a long... Fu- I, got, I got some shit to talk about today. It's okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Um, I, I actually waited to, to drink this, so I bought... Mm. I bought um, something called Stone IPA, and it says the iconic West Coast style IPA, six point nine percent alcohol. Ooh. But it has this amazing like little yeah. devil man right there on the front, and I love a good IPA. 
The hoppier, the better. Oh, oh, that smells like a plant. That's the good Especially shit. Especially this time of year. Mm. Yeah. Bring out the double bag, the long trail double oh, bag. Oh, the double bag. That I is what it. I would just go through like a 12 pack of those like a night. Well, that's the thing too. You, you were the one me. who I introduced was, mm. me to it. Mm. God, I loved it. That's a Vermont so thing, good. isn't it? It is. I mean, it's a New England-ish beer, but yeah, it's made in Vermont. Yeah. yeah. No, I, beer, I, so. <laughs> you're like, well, it's not just Vermont. Well, I thought I that's know, what you were s- asking. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes, it was. It's a Vermont beer. It's like <laughs> everywhere. It's like everywhere, cat. It's everywhere. It's <laughs> it is. So. All right. All right. So, everybody, today I figured we need to do some groundwork. So that's what today is about. <laughs> and if you listened last week, Kat got us further into spooky season by going over one of the most documented places of supposed alien activity, the Dulce Base. The base is... <laughs> the base is allegedly a jointly operated human and alien underground facility that exists on the border of Colorado and New Mexico. Honestly, if you didn't listen, I highly recommend going back right now and listening to it because it's amazing. Give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah, and, and I mean, and I mean you guys week- know how we do the beginning. So, I mean, if you're really that, like, itching, just skip, like, ten, ten yeah. minutes. You know what I mean? Like, it yeah. is what it is. Beep, beep, beep. We talk. <laughs> That's what we do. Because, you know, it's a goddamn podcast. So what do you want from us? I don't need to explain myself to you, except that I am. <laughs> but know that I don't need to. Yeah. Well, we, we will out of the courtesy of it. We, we appreciate it. <laughs> Anyways. So, this week, I am going to tickle your ear holes by going over some of the most well-known, or at least the most talked about species of aliens. Since we are probably going to cover more of this topic in the future, like I said, I figured it's a good idea to lay the groundwork now and kind of get an understanding of extraterrestrial beings that we may touch upon in the future. Or we might not. You never know. We could just tease you right now with alien episodes and then never do a single one ever. You never know. Tickle the terrestrial (laughs) taint, as some might say. Mm. Some. (laughs) (laughs) At least you do, right? So, since I'm going to be talking about a variety of different species, I'm basically going to be barely scratching the surface of each of them. So, I know that there's probably a lot of really fun information that I don't ever get to, but this is contagious curiosity after all. Our goal on the show, regardless of the topic, is to infect you with enough curiosity that you then go do your own research and find out, you know, stuff that we never even mentioned. That's the whole point of it, the whole fun of it. So, today we are going to be covering the small greys. Little Green Men, Nordic Aliens, and Reptilians. Oh, I was hoping you'd cover the Reptilians. <laughs> so, like I said, very brief. Like, I mean, mm. the, the, the stuff with the Reptilians dates back to, like, Helena Blavatsky. You know, it is, there's so much yeah. information on them that I am, I am just basically introducing them. Like, it is, there's barely, yeah, I barely scratched the surface, like I said, because I'm going over, like, five different kinds, so I'm now, sorry. Now, to, to, <laughs> the, to the reptilians that you speak of, uh, are they that of, like, the Slee stack from uh, Land of the Lost? <laughs> You're gonna fucking find out, okay? <laughs> All right, so, I, I do have to, like, say this disclaimer, because I, I don't have to, but I, I want to, and I feel like I should. 
I have always been convinced of aliens, like that they exist, always. I think it started because when I was super young and because <laughs> my brother and my sister uh, liked to tease me and convince me that I was actually subconsciously an alien in a human skin suit and that there was an invisible zipper in my back and that every night when I would go to sleep, then the alien would unzip from my human skin suit and come out and like, you know, it was what just a creative my life. Family. It used what to make me cry family. all the time. <laughs> How old were you? When it definitely did some that? damage. Oh God. I, the, my most like vivid memory of it, we were still in Massachusetts. So five and under. <laughs> what's, what is that? What is that? What is that Laney? What do you mean? What? Looking behind yourself. Always. And they're like, what? What? Or they'd, like, try and chase me because they're like, we're going to unzip it. We're going to unzip You're going to bring the alien out. Fuckers. <laughs> oh, my. I love it. Oh, yeah. No, it was good stuff. But um, I don't know if that's really where it sparked from. Uh, it doesn't matter. I have always been convinced that they're out there. And, you know, I, I at least mostly fully am aware that I'm not subconsciously an alien in a human suit. I think I've learned to accept that for the most part, over the years. But it was, like I said, never a question if there was life outside of planet Earth in my mind. It's, to me, it's, it's almost bordering ridiculous to think that the, in the never-endingness of space that we are completely alone. That, it, I, that to me, doesn't compute. Mm. And yes, a lot of incredible things have to happen for planets and stars to align for an Earth-like planet to exist that can house life similar to ours. However... According to MIT's technology review, NASA collected data from the Kepler Space Telescope that states there are 4.1 billion sun-like stars in the galaxy. And to go even further than that, their model suggests that in just our galaxy alone, there are at minimum, minimum 300 million sun-like stars with at least one habitable planet. Oh. And that's just for supporting life that's similar to ours. One more time. 4.1 billion sun-like stars in just our galaxy with a minimum of 300 million of those stars having at least one habitable planet. 300 million. That's almost as much as Jeff Bezos makes. <laughs> as i said it's really hard for me to accept that we are completely alone in the vastness right, of though. space right though i mean 300 oh, million with habitable planets just saying now this understandably does freak some people out there are a lot of us who cannot handle that much unknown or unpredictability and still others who will not or cannot accept this because it goes directly against their religion. And to those of you who feel this way, that is totally all right. I am not here to fight you. I do not feel the need to convince you or make you feel bad about believing in your heavenly spaceman, just as long as you don't feel the need to attack me for my belief in my extraterrestrial spacemen. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, plural. No need for fighting. <laughs> <laughs> some of them do still said. wear cloaks you know some of them do wear cloaks and tunics <laughs> so i mean they kind of do blend aliens and god <laughs> trying to, yeah. i'm trying to i'm trying to i'm trying to create a bridge you kind of bridge the gap yeah <laughs> <laughs> very valiant effort of you there i mean i 
<laughs> I put in at least 2% effort on that one. <laughs> so not that being said, though, I am not sold on the fact that all or even any of the evidence that has been recorded is 100% fact. I'm not sure that we as humans even have the capacity for understanding or correctly interpreting extraterrestrial life. It just, you know, I'm not... I'm not 100% sold on it. I'm not saying that it's all wrong, but I'm not saying I necessarily believe it either. Especially with all of the soft disclosure stuff that has been coming out from the U.S. government recently of unidentified aerial phenomenon, UAPs, once called UFOs. I really do think that it is just a matter of time before there is more solid, solid evidence. I just, I'm not necessarily sold that what we do have now or that has been released to the public is... right because i've seen i've seen the images that were released to the public and many of those were already released to the public like some of these images were were, were repeats yes but but the the, uh, what makes it more um why it's a bigger deal is is that now they're saying no not even that they had them but now that they're releasing them and saying for a fact we do not know what this is so even though the pictures have been out now they are outwardly coming forward to being like this this you see this thing right here yeah we don't know what the fuck that is all right next okay. you see this yeah we don't know what the fuck that is <laughs> the, be- the best way the best way to 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 shoot that off is just i don't know you know just rescind the blame i don't i mean i don't know what it could be we just don't know next question. yeah and just because it's not you know identified doesn't mean that it's extraterrestrial yes but but a lot of the times when they're doing it, they're like, uh, we do not have this technology and do not know how this is doing this in the sky right now. Um, bum, 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 bum. Please, honestly, no matter what you believe, I suggest going and taking a look at the information that the Pentagon and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence have released in just the past like couple of years, like two years. And they really do just stop short of saying the word alien. It's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. So without... Further ado, let's kick this baby off. And we are starting with the gray aliens. <laughs> oh, I thought you were just like psyching yourself up. And we're going. We're <laughs> going. We're starting with the gray aliens, also called Zeta Reticulans. And we will get into why in just a moment. And they are probably what come to mind when you first hear the word alien. They're the classic human-like beings with hairless, smooth gray skin, overly large heads, large black eyes, and no outward appearance of external body parts like sexual organs, nose, ears, nipples, and the like. In most drawings of gray aliens, they are typically shorter than your average human with no muscular definition and oddly proportioned limbs. Greys were made popular by a couple of different incidents, but the two most noteworthy are the Roswell crash of 1947 and the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill in 1965. In both instances, incidents, the beings that were described were that of the small greys. Most people, whether they are interested in aliens or not, have heard of the Roswell incident, but may not have heard of Betty and Barney Hill. Which is fascinating because I did a tremendous amount of research on them before I did, I I was covering the Dulce base and their story, their story was kind of something that I had used to describe one of like the incidents without mentioning their names about how it's easily possible for somebody to be abducted, right? And then just brought someplace else in the, you know, in the world itself. That could have, it's nuts. But that, 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 that's something that we went into in the last episode. They, uh, they are the first documented 
like truly documented case of alien abduction. And so, yeah, the, the Hills are an absolute staple of alien conspiracy history and are the most documented case of alien abduction, much to the detriment of the Hills. They helped lay the groundwork for all of the believers that have come after them and influenced much of pop culture's representation of aliens and abductions. Both the history of the Roswell incident and that of the Hills are very long and complicated, so I am going to go over just the basics of each. If you would like to know more about Betty and Barney, I really recommend reading Captured, The Betty and Barney Hill UFO Experience, The True Story of the World's First Documented Alien Abduction. <laughs> By their niece, their niece, Kathleen Martin, and the goat of ufology himself, Stanton Friedman. It's really a fun read, no matter what you believe. It's, it's just, it's a, good, it's a good time. It's fun and entertaining. So this is the most boiled down explanation of the Roswell incident that I can muster while still giving the overall facts of what happened. Sometime in late June, there were sightings of something unidentified flying in the sky and debris from something came crashing down on a rancher's property in Corona and near the Roswell Army Airfield Base in New Mexico. In what became national news on June 26, 1947, civilian pilot Kenneth Arnold gave an interview saying that he saw, quote, flying saucers. After that interview was made public, 800 more people came forward with sightings of their own. And I'll let you be the judge of that, their validity. But on the night of Saturday, 5th, of Saturday July 5th, 1947, rancher W.W. Mac Brazel made a trip from his remote ranch into town, into the town of Corona, New Mexico. The ranch had no phone and no radio, and as such, Brazel had no idea that there were flying saucer reports coming out for the past 10 days. It was not until that Saturday night that Brazel connected the debris he had found three weeks earlier with the flying discs in the news. The debris he found consisted of tinfoil, rubber, and thin wooden beams. On Saturday, July 6th, the next day, Brazel gathered the debris that he had pushed under some brush to dispose of, out of sight, out of mind, I guess, mm -hmm. and on Monday, July 7th, he took it into the sheriff's office of, in Roswell. The sheriff called Roswell Army Airfield, which assigned the matter to Major Jesse Marcel. Brazel took Marcel back to the debris site, and the two gathered up more pieces of rubber and tinfoil. Marcel took the material home that night. On Tuesday morning, July 8th, Marcel took the material to his base commander, Colonel William Blanchard. Blanchard reported the findings to General Roger Ramey of Fort Worth Army Airfield in Texas. I'm just so imagining some, some guy with a piece of paper handing it off to another guy with a piece of paper, and then the paper's going to some exactly. other guy, and it just climbs up. But they are all very interested in this tinfoil rubber and wood that was found on this rancher's, you know... Mm -hmm. ranch and I, it's probably also partly because you know they had somebody in the military being like i saw five saucers so it's like okay we really got to figure out what the fuck is going on yeah because now it's out there now the military is <laughs> yeah. saying oh there's something and they're trying to perform damage control exactly general ramey ordered the material flown to fwaaf immediately which is the the airfield Marcel boarded a B-29 Super Fortress and made the flight to Fort Worth Army Airfield on July 8, 1947. Public Information Officer Walter Hunt, 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 <laughs> issued a press release stating that the personnel from the field's 509th Operations Group had received, quote, a flying disc, which had landed on a ranch near Roswell. And that's when the party began. 
The press release is the reason why we are still talking about the Roswell incident today. This is what was said. The many rumors regarding the flying disc became a reality yesterday when the intelligence office, the 509th Bombing Group of 8th Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, was fortunate enough to gain possession of a disc through the cooperation of one of the local ranchers and the sheriff's office of Chaves County. The flying object landed on a ranch near Roswell sometime last week. Not having phone facilities, the rancher stored the disc un until such a time he was able to contact the sheriff's office, who in turn notified Major Jesse A. Marcel of the 509th Bombing Group Intelligence Office. Action was immediately taken, and the disc was picked up at the rancher's home. It was inspected at the Roswell Army Airfield and subsequently loaned by Major Marcel to higher headquarters. So they are just releasing, we are very interested in this. Like, we have got the flying disc. We, you know, something was seen. We don't know what it is, but it is okay because the government's on it. We know what's happening. We are in possession. Like, that's, I mean, it was mm -hmm. the perfect. It was just, mm, mm. This sent people into an outright tailspin. After the public's reaction to this news, the Army quickly recanted their statement and said that the crashed object was just a conventional weather balloon and mm -hmm. nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah. Which, which, I mean, rubber and some tinfoil and some wood. Mm -hmm. Good, good cop, good cop. <laughs> Whether the government wanted to or not, they set up the perfect conditions for birthing a conspiracy theory that would last generations. Releasing extremely provocative news like government officials witnessing unidentified fly flying objects in the sky whose entire job is to identify shit flying in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Claiming that they have pieces of the disc in their possession and thereby telling everyone that our government is very interested in this topic, then immediately recanting everything that they had been saying for the past few weeks is only going to further convince people that they are trying to cover something well, you up. Know, you know, actually, about that thing we said before. Never yeah, mind. You know what? You know what? <laughs> it was just kidding. <laughs> Kidding. The rancher was drunk. He was drunk. <laughs> I was drunk. My boss was drunk. The pilot. Everybody was drunk. Was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what kind of facts are brought up to the foreground, conspiracy theorists will never trust what the government has to say after something like that. It's just yeah, not right? going to happen. But which is <laughs> fucking hilarious because all of the soft disclosure that's coming about, out about the UAPs the government has been releasing recently. Yes. So they must now be making just like heads explode because they can't trust the government. But now that the government is like releasing information, they're pointing to the government that it's proof that aliens exist. But they're like, wait, wait, we can't trust the government. <laughs> It's like a fucking tailspin. Exactly. But no, but if I just, no, no, no. Wait, wait. Hmm? That's fantastic. And as I said, those are just the bare fucking bones of the facts of the Roswell incident. There's so much more to the story with millions of books and videos to look at. And no matter where you stand on the belief, there is a book for you. If you are a skeptic naysayer, books for you. If you're not sure and you're somewhere in the middle, books for you. If you're a hardcore believer, so many books for you. <laughs> Plus, you can become just a little more insufferable of a person as a reward for reading them. So, mm, 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 mm. All right, so now let's talk about the Hills. Let's get into it. Benny and Barney Hill were an interracial couple living in Portsmouth, New Hampshire at a time when a black man marrying a white woman was still considered highly controversial. 
Barney was a civil rights leader who worked as a postman. Bar Betty was a social worker who also participated in the movement and was a strong advocate of civil rights. Both were members of the NAACP. It's really weird. Some of the people who have tried to debunk their abduction story over the years have tried to say that basically they had a shared hallucination that was a psychosis that stemmed from mm -hmm. the stresses of them being an interracial interracial couple in the 60s. It's so weird. Like, I don't know. How That's very, just an how, odd stance how to very take. American horror story, though, when you think yeah. about it. It's where true, they, though. Where they, where they derived the story. Yeah. You know, or where, where inspiration was held. But it's it's completely off base. That claim is completely off base. If you oh, ask any like any of the interviews that you see with the people who are close to the hills, they all said that they were an extremely happy couple with no like out outward issues or anything. And that's part of why New Hampshire was such a perfect place for them to live, is that it was a very liberal place in the country at the time. And most were, you know, pretty accepting of their relationship. There were no extreme stressors on them in that regard. Yeah. yeah. So on September 19th, 1961, the Hills were heading back home after a lovely vacation to Montreal and Niagara Falls. Around 10.30 p.m., just south of Lancaster, New Hampshire, is when Betty first saw a bright shining light in the sky that moved from just below the moon and the planet Jupiter upward to the west of the moon. After a short while, the light began to move erratically in the sky and changed its size and brightness. Betty eventually convinced Barney to pull over so that they could observe it more easily and also so they could walk their dog, Delcy. So cute. It is a fat dachshund. Delcy was a fat dachshund. Like the picture on their Wikipedia page, she's holding the dog and like her the hand family is photo. indenting into the dog. And like fat rolls are like coming down over her hand. Oh gosh, mm -hmm. this is a big boy. Or girl, I don't know. Delcy, I don't know. It sounds feminine. It's hard. But, you know, who are we? You never know. Now looking through binoculars, Betty was able to see that an oddly shaped craft with multicolored lights flying over, was flying over the face of the moon. When Barney looked through the binoculars, he claimed he claimed his wife um what? Sorry. <laughs> I have like a word in there that's not supposed to be in oh, there. Oh, doesn't it mess you up? Completely messed me up. I was just Excuse me? That happens what? to me all the time. So he claimed to his wife that it must be a commercial airliner on its way to Vermont. There's nothing to worry about. It's totally fine. It's just a regular plane. Like, don't worry about it. And then the craft began to rapidly descend in their direction, and it became clear that, quote, that was no plane. Rightfully, <laughs> rightfully freaked out, the Hills quickly returned to their call, car and started to drive toward Franco Franconia, Franconia Notch. A narrow mountainous stretch of the road that would bring them home. Mm -hmm. The hills kept an eye out on the unidentified craft as it as they drove, and it became obvious that it was continuing to get closer and closer to their vehicle. At one point, the craft was close enough to to a cliff that was the um, the old man of the mountain, and that was still yes. up there before it crumbled. And so it flew close enough, like over the, over a restaurant and like behind the cliff, that Betty was able to say that it was roughly about one and a half times the length of the cliff face, making it the craft roughly about sixty feet long. Because it was so close, she was able to see that the craft appeared to be rotating. The couple watched as the silent, illuminated craft moved erratically and bounced back and forth in the night sky, something wholly impossible for any aircraft that humans have designed. 
Eventually, the craft descended so rapidly toward their vehicle that it forced Barney to stop their car right in the middle of the road. According to Barney, the craft was so large that it took up almost all of their field of vision and that it silently hovered about 80 to 100 feet off the ground. When he looked through the binoculars, Barney claimed to have seen 8 to 11 humanoid figures who were peering out of the craft's windows, seeming to look at him. In unison, all but one of the figures moved to what appeared to be a panel on the rear wall of the hallway that encircled the front portion of the craft. The one remaining figure continued to look at Barney and communicated a message to him telling him to, quote, stay where you are and keep looking. He said that something was compelling him to keep staring at them, and it took a great deal of effort for him to tear the binoculars from his face and return to his wife in the car. And he told her, they're going to capture us, so they quickly sped off. Barney and Betty, Barney told Betty to keep an eye out for the craft, and when she rolled down the window to look up, she saw that it was hovering directly above them as they drove. Almost immediately, the hills heard a rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing sounds, which they said seemed to bounce off their vehicle. Suddenly, the car started to vibrate, and the hills experienced a tingling sensation that passed through their bodies. The hills said that this is when they started to slip into an alternate state of consciousness that left their minds feeling dulled. A second series of beeping and buzzing sounds returned to the couple returned the couple to full consciousness. However, they now found themselves to have traveled nearly 20, 35 miles south with hardly any memory of how they got there, and there was about a three-hour gap in time that they couldn't account for. They recalled making a sudden, sharp, unpleasant turn, unplanned turn, encountering a roadblock and observing a fiery orb in the road, but that was all they could remember. When they finally got home, they experienced odd sensations and impulses that they couldn't really explain, like the feeling of needing to inspect their genitals, but luckily they didn't find any immediate, yeah. you know, mm. problems. I remember Draw that what they story. had seen and leaving their luggage by the back door instead of bringing it into the main part of the house, as they usually do when they return from a trip. Upon closer inspection, they found that Barney's dress shoes were scuffed and damaged, Betty's dress was ripped and beyond repair with pink powder clinging to the fabric. The strap of the binoculars was ripped, but they had no memory of how that could have happened, and their watches never properly worked again. Over the, over the years, five different laboratories conducted chemical and forensic analysis on Betty's dress, and they, um, the, they weren't able to find anything conclusive on it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And the couple was highly <clears throat> distressed over the entire situation. On September 21st, two days later, Betty decided to report the incident and called Peace Air Force Base and tell them about the UFO encounter. Understandably, Betty was worried about being labeled crazy, so she withheld some of the details. On September 22nd, Major Paul W. Henderson telephoned the Hills for a more detailed interview. Henderson's report dated September 26th determined that the Hills had probably misidentified the planet Jupiter. According to Air Intelligence information records, this was later changed to, quote, optical condition or inversion and in insufficient data. <laughs> I like how he was like, well, you know, so that's exactly what I remember about the story, too, <laughs> is that they're like, well, Jupiter wasn't exactly, you know, where you said it was. So, like, how are you telling Yeah, so clearly, like, you're so clearly you're lying. Up. Like, <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> this one tiny, tiny detail is not exactly correct. So mm, you align. Uncredible, uncredible. Yeah. <laughs> if you haven't heard of pro, oh yeah. So sorry, skipped over an entire 
beautiful part there. Um, his report was forwarded to Project Blue Book in the U.S. Air Force's UFO research project. Mm. If you haven't heard of Project Blue Book, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. The United States government has had a branch that was, has been looking into UFOs for a very long time. Um, it's been responsible for a lot of the soft disclosure information that's coming out now. Like a lot of stuff that was found, you know, back when it was more operational. Is stuff, more stuff that's coming out now too. They were the they were the Scully and Molders of the group. Yeah, yeah. Similarly, similarly, there is also NICAP, which stands for National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon, which is a civilian-run UAP research group that was most active from the '60s to the '80s, but is still, you know, it's still doing stuff today. It's just not as, you know, it's not as big. It's not as relied on as it was it's more of a branch it's more of a branch of it yeah i mean yeah it's all civilian it's all just people whoever they you know whoever wants to do ufo research can be a part of icap oh excuse me so sorry so um donald e kehoe who was the leader of nicap at the time um he was also a marine an ex-marine corps major as well and he was just like you know what after i get out of the marines i'm going to investigate a lot of a lot of ufos it's fantastic but he ended up reading one of his books and um included she ended up writing to him after she read one of his books on his research into uaps Mm -hmm. and she relayed the full story including details of the humanoid figures that barney had observed through the binoculars which she had originally left out to the military and Betty wrote that she she and Barney were considering hypnosis to help recall what had happened to them. And her letter was eventually passed to Walter N. Webb, a Boston astronomer and NICAP member. That had all the details on it. Webb met with the Hills on October 21st, 1961, in a six-hour-long interview. The Hills related all they could remember about the UFO encounter. Barney asserted that he had developed a sort of, quote, mental block and that he suspected there were some portions of the event that he did not wish to remember. He described in detail all that he could remember about the craft and the, and the appearance of the, quote, somehow not human figures aboard the craft. Webb stated that, quote, they were telling the truth and the incident probably occurred exactly as reported, except for some minor uncertainties and technicalities that must be tolerated in any subs any such observations when human being judgment is involved. Right. Betty began to dream about the encounter with extreme vividness for five weeks and five weeks only. She felt that her dreams had more truth than just unconscious thought. And in November, she decided to start writing about the dreams in hopes of piecing together some of their lost time. In her dreams, she remembered the car being surrounded by little men, all wearing matching uniforms and caps, and that they had both she and her husband walk through the woods and climb aboard their spacecraft. Climb aboard our spaceship, <laughs> heading to the sky. So they just, they, they brought them through the woods instead of planting themselves right there on the roadway. Because they According were actually, they were, dream. yes, because they were still driving. They were still driving when they were abducted, right? That was the idea, is that they took the car... They were driving, and the the air the spacecraft was above the vehicle. They felt the vibrations and like the tones and the pitches, mm-hmm. and then next thing you know, they're thirty five miles away. Yep. <clears throat> so in that time, know. they could have stopped the car and in their states <clears throat> of unconsciousness, because like I said, three hours are gone. 
It was nor- it's supposed to be a four-hour drive from where they were coming from back home, and it took them over seven hours. Right. So while on board, Betty and Barney were brought into separate rooms to be tested and uh, as to compare them to the other beings on the ship. These tests were done by a being she deemed the examiner. She said that even though the beings spoke English, they had a poor grasp on the language and it was very difficult to understand them. The alien cut off a lock of her hair, examined her mouth, teeth, ears, eyes, throat, and hands. It then took some samples of her fingernails and scraped off some skin with something that resembled a letter opener. The examiner then thrust a large needle into her belly button that caused excruciating pain, but the alien simply waved his hand over her face and the pain vanished. The examiner left the room and Betty engaged in conversation with, quote, the leader. She picked up a book with rows of strange symbols that the leader said she could take home with her. She also asked where he came from, and he pulled down an instructional map dotted with stars. In Betty's dream account, the men began escorting the hills from the ship when a disagreement broke out. The leader then informed Betty that she couldn't keep the book, stating that they had decided that the other men had decided that they did not want her to even remember the encounter. Betty insisted that no matter what they did to her memory, she would one day recall the events. She and Barney were taken into their car, where the leader suggested that they wait to watch the craft's departure. They did so, then resumed their drive. Later on, both Betty and Barney ended up going under hypnosis to try and recover their lost memory during the time gap. Now, everyone who has ever looked into memory regression knows how dubious and unscientific the whole process of supposedly recovering repressed memories is. Recovered memories were at the center of the satanic cult mess of the 1980s and caused a lot of damage. It, it's just, you can't trust it. It, it. There are too many factors that can come in and alter memory. And any, you know, anybody who's even briefly looked into how the brain works and how memory works knows that for a fact. Like, I mean, think about all the people from that, like, witnessed or were around during 9-11 and how many of their accounts have been proven that they, they, their memories that they hold and that they believe are completely true and then realize, wait, no, I couldn't have possibly been there because I was at X place or things that have been, you know, proven to have not happened, even though people have perfect memories of supposedly being there, but it's impossible. So I felt, just... I felt similar, um, sensations like that before. The deja oh, yeah. without without the possibility of being there. A lot of times it'll happen where like somebody's telling like in my family specifically because we tell so many stories all the time where I'm I'm convinced I've heard the story so many times that I was there and they're like Elena that happened like before you were born. It's just like no I swear, I swear I, I swear, was there. I swear. <laughs> no no no. So weird. I was there. Things like the power of suggestion can lead people to truly believe that they have experienced these things. It just, it's just, yeah, it's crazy. A brain is a very suggestible thing. Originally, Barney was very hesitant to believe that they were abducted by aliens, but after the hypnosis sessions, he was ready to believe that they truly did experience something out of this world. Betty ended up drawing pictures of the star map that was supposedly shown to her, in her by the leader, and the pictures were later published in the book Interrupted Journey by John G. Fuller. In 1968, a school teacher and amateur astronomer, Marjorie Fish of Oak Harbor, Ohio, decided she wanted to see if she could dis- if she could decipher which star system the aliens claimed to have come from. 
studying thousands of vantage points over several years, the only one that seemed to match the Hill's map was from the viewpoint of the double star system Zeta Reticuli. And that is where the small greys got their other known name of Zeta Reticulans. Over a year, over the years, over years of debate, more technology coming out, Fish later recanted her findings as false, and even Carl Sagan chimed in to say that there was no known star cluster that resembled the drawings of Betty Hill. Many people try to claim that Betty and Barney made it all up for fame, but the celebrity that they earned was not something that the couple ever enjoyed. In effect, it ruined their lives, and they were never, never able to move past the fact that they were in the spotlight of a highly contested debate. Barney ended up dying of a cerebral hemorrhage on February 25th, 1969, at the age of 46. And Betty died of cancer October 4th at uh, October 2004 at the age of 85. She never ended up remarrying. But after after Barney died, she did like step into the spotlight a little bit more and kind of embraced it. I mean, what are you going to do? You've just now lost your husband and only years, 8 years after they had experienced it. Yeah. And she lived in another, another like whole lifetime. Oh, an entire he lifetime. He didn't get to. Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. So sad. That is terribly sad. So after the Roswell crash and the claims of there being small gray aliens that had been recovered in some of the wreckage and the accounts of the Betty and Barney Hill, small gray aliens became the stereotype of all aliens in pop culture and literature. These two incidents set the stage for much of what we think of today when discussing aliens and life outside of this earth. If you haven't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the craft and the beings most accurately depict what Betty described in her writings and during her hypnosis sessions. Many conspiracy theorists have even hypothesized over the years that Spielberg was given inside knowledge of aliens by the U.S. government to make his blockbuster. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. Yes, because that is what the government is doing with all of their time and, and money. Let's just, let's just amplify it even more. Who's got Spielberg on the line? <laughs> Bring me Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All right, so moving on to Little Green Men. The term Little Green Men has been around for a very long time even before that of the greys. In fact, in England, references to little green men or, ch- or children date back all the way to the 12th century, uh, to the green children of Woolpit, although exactly when the term was first applied to extraterrestrial aliens has been difficult to pin down. This next bit, little bit, is from Wikipedia. The legend of the green children of Woolpit concerns two children of unusual skin color who reportedly appear in the village of Woolpit in Suffolk, England in some time of the 12th century, perhaps during the reign of King Stephen. The children, brother and sister, were of generally normal appearance except for their green color skin. They spoke an unusual, unknown language and would often eat raw faba beans. Eventually, they learned to eat other food and lost their greenish color. But the boy was sickly and died soon after after he and his sister were baptized. The girl adjusted to her new life, and she was considered to be, quote, very wanton and impudent. After she learned to speak English, the girl explained that she and her brother had come from a land where the sun never shone. According to one version of the story, she said that everything was green. According to another, she said it was called St. Martin's Land. 
So folklore researcher Chris Aubeck unearthed a story from 1899 in the Atlanta Constitution about little green-skinned alien in a tale called Green Boy from Hura, which has been theorized or per- to perhaps be Mars. However, however, and this is my very favorite part, the very first use of the specific gray, the specific phrase "little green men" in reference to extraterrestrials is found in 1908 in a place that is very near and dear to Cat and I, a place none other than Augusta, Maine. Stop it! Yeah, yeah. In the newspaper, the Daily Kennebec Journal. What? Yeah. Yeah! That's fabulous. So So good. So our local newspaper. So our local. Was the very first people (laughs) to ever link little green men and aliens together in writing in 1908. Augusta! Fabulous. That's fabulous. So good. I had no idea. That's our state capital, by the way, guys. We're doing great. <laughs> Which I don't know. I you know, and this is gonna sound really ignorant of me, but it, at some it wasn't Augusta always. I'm trying to remember when our when our state capital what did become Augusta because it was more centralized after like the county was brought into Maine. I don't know. So it it had been moved to Augusta, and I think it was more south, more southern Maine. Um, I I don't think it was Portland, but I think it is. Was it Portland? I think it must have been. Because once we brought in the county, they wanted our capital be, to be more centralized to the state. Yeah, so, it was Portland. It was Portland? Yep. Yep. Huh. Fun, fa- fun fact. I so didn't what know year that. was that? What year was that, though? Oh. Because they wrote that in 1908 from Augusta, which is now our state capital, so I want to know if that was our state capital then. I don't think so. Uh, okay. No, it wouldn't have been. It might yes. have been something. Maybe. Yes. This is 18, not 19. So probably. Ah. Okay. All right. So yeah. It's fascinating. I, right. So I, cool. I love it. That is that is really cool. <laughs> In 1910, a little green man was allegedly captured from his crash spaceship in Upula, which is in southeast Italy, and I probably pronounced it wrong. So come at me. Green aliens soon <laughs> come to commonly portray extraterrestrials and were on the covers of many of the 1920s and 1950s science fiction pulp magazines with pictures of Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon battling little green aliens. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They they soon just became like what people thought about as aliens. If they thought about life outside of Earth, they were thinking about little green men. And we had to send an American to go fight them. That's <laughs> what we're good at. <laughs> Another documented print example, example specifically linking little green men to extraterrestrial spaceships is in a newspaper column satirizing the public panic following the Orson Welles' famous War of the Worlds Halloween broadcasts of 1938. Oh and in God, 1955... Oh, God. To Absolutely terrifying. That must have been... I, I, I don't even... Just lasting tra- trauma for the rest of your life, believing the world really is ending. And just, oh, God, oh, oh, would be a lot. And in 1955, newspapers changed the wording of two people who had supposedly saw extraterrestrials from being silver to green. This was um, known as the Kelly Hop- Hopkinsville encounter, the Hopkinsville goblin case, and the Kelly Green Men case. So it had three different names. On the evening of August 21st, 1955, 
Five adults and seven children arrived at the Hopkinsville police station claiming that small alien creatures from a spaceship were attacking their farmhouse and that they had been holding them off with gunfire, quote, for nearly four hours. (laughs) And then they just left. (laughs) Basically, two of the adults, Elmer Sutton and Billy Ray Taylor, claimed, oh, it's a good name. Everything stopped and I just closed my eyes and I was like, Billy Billy Ray Ray Taylor. That's a strong name. (laughs) That's a good one. Claimed that they had been shooting at, quote, 12 to 15 short, dark figures who reportedly popped up at the doorway and peered down into the windows. I'm just just trying to imagine this group of people. Yeah, they're in their side, their farmhouse, and these little aliens are, like, playing whack-a-mole and popping up in their door just being like, hey, hey, (laughs) like, in their windows, and they're just shooting holes into their walls. Let's be honest, though. Let's be honest, how terrifying would that be if, like, mm. you just oh look and then the, out of the darkness you just yeah, see dude. something, like... for four hours, oh. and you're just losing your goddamn mind Like, for trying four to take the funny hours. part out of it, that is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Like, if that was, if that was something really happening to you, fuck that. Uh, their search yield... Oh, sorry. So, concerned about the possible gun battle between local citizens, four police, city police, five state troopers, and three deputy sheriffs. That's a lot of goddamn people. You got like 12 people people. out there. (laughs) To come and stop these seven people terrified inside their farmhouse with guns. (laughs) Um, And four military police from... Officers from the nearby U.S. Army, Jesus, Fort Campbell, drove to the Sutton Farmhouse, located near the town of Kelly in Christian County. Their search yielded nothing apart from evidence of gunfire and holes in the windows and door screens made by the firearms. The family's claims received widespread coverage in local and national press. Early articles did not refer to, quote, little green men, and the color was later added to some newspaper stories. Estimates of the size and the alleged creatures varied from two to four feet and details such as, quote, large pointed ears, claw-like hands, eyes that glowed yellow, and spindly legs later Mm. appeared in various media. Everybody was just like, it was horned owls. (laughs) Everybody who, like, wanted to debunk them was just like, goddamn owls. Owls for four hours not flying away after being shot at multiple times. Not to mention two... Not to mention two, three feet high, like tall. And spindly legs. The owl just like pick up all of its bulk and just like, because they do, they have really long legs, but it must, it would have had to pick up all of its body and then just walk around on its little spindly legs, which is kind of Which is terrifying in itself. So if that is an (laughs) epidemic, I do want to know about it. I do want to know. So the little green aliens are still a popular trope in pop culture today. I mean... What is Yoda if not a little green alien? They also show up in media like Star Trek, Doctor Who, Torchwood, Toy Story, Invader Zim, Destroy All Humans, and the the game Kerbal Space Program. They are also countless books and that covered supposed encounters of and pure fantasy. So you got people who are claiming it's real. You got you know just regular fantasy books. Authors, authors looking everywhere. To... Yeah, the little green men are a staple of what. We understand as like the man who like the like the Branton interview, uh, the man who interviewed Thomas Costello, who was the uh, reported whistleblower for the Dulce base. His his literal uh, 
catalog of work is fantasy fiction. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, I lost my place again. So yeah, I know it's hard. <laughs> All right, so those are the little green aliens. Now moving on to Nordic aliens. These beings most closely resemble humans than other species. Think of Thor, basically. Mm. In ufology, Nordic aliens are humanoid extraterrestrials proposed to come from the Pleiades, who resemble Nordic Scandinavians. People who have claimed to see these extraterrestrial beings describe them as being six to seven feet tall, with long blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin. So Ufologists, elves. yeah, yeah, elves. yeah. Ufologist George Adamski is credited with being among the first to claim contact with Nordic aliens in the mid-1950s, and scholars note that the mythology of extraterrestrial visitation from beings with, fe- with features described as, quote, Aryan often include c- claims of telepathy, benevolence, and physical beauty. Cultural historian David J. Skull believes that the early stories of Nordic-type aliens may have been per- partially inspired by the 1951 film The Day the Earth Stood Still. Bates College professor Stephanie Kelly Romano says that Nordic aliens, quote, are often associated with spiritual growth and love and act as protectors of uh, four of the experiencers. In ufology literature, Nordic aliens are also often described as benevolent or even, quote, magical beings who want to observe and communicate with humans and are concerned about our Earth's environment or prospects for world peace. Here's guardians in a way, right? Guardians. Yeah, yeah. They're nice. They just want peace and tranquility for humans. And they're here to warn us. (laughs) Believers also ascribed telepathic powers to Nordic aliens and described them as paternal, watchful, smiling, affectionate, and youthful. This also lines up with the belief that their image was derived from the movie The Day the Earth Stood Still because the role of the ol- of, that the aliens played in the movie. They came to Earth to warn humans about the dangers of atomic weapons. That, that was their whole thing. Was they're coming mm-hmm. to, to tell us to be peaceful. And so, I mean, it, it all just kind of falls along those lines. During the 1950s, many contactees, especially those in Europe, claimed encounters with beings fitting this description, but became less common in later decades as gray aliens took over the spotlight. Nordic aliens show up in pop culture to this day in the TV show People of Earth, Scooby-Doo, Stargate, Super Jail, and the game Perfect Dark. There are three people who are most noteworthy that claim to have been in contact with Nordic-type aliens. George Adamski, Howard Menger, Menger, Travis Walton. George Adamski, he was born in 1891 and died in 1965, was a Polish-American author who became widely known in ufology circles after he displayed numerous photographs in the 1940s and 50s that he said were of alien spaceships. He called himself, quote, a philosopher, teacher, student, and saucer researcher. (laughs) He... uh, he also claimed to have met with friendly Nordic alien space brothers who supposedly took him on different trips in their spacecraft to the moon and other nearby planets. Aww, he Dr. went on he, Yeah, yeah, basically. He also claimed to have uh he went on to publish three books describing his meetings and travels with the Nordic aliens. First was Flying Saucers Have Landed in 1953, Inside the Spaceships in 1955, and Flying Saucers Farewell in 1961. 
The first two books were both bestsellers. By 1960, they had sold a combined 200,000 copies. In addition to his con contributions to ufology in the United States, Adamski's work, wow, I don't know why that's so hard for my tongue to spit out, <laughs> Adamski became very popular in Japan and helped inspire many depictions of aliens and UFOs in post-war Japanese culture and media. There were a great deal of people who outwardly disliked Adamski because of his ufology interested claims. People have called him a charlatan and a con artist, and most investigators conclude that his claims were nothing more than an elaborate hoax to sell books and further his own fame. Well, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm, a, I'm of both I mean, minds. You cannot have a healthy fear of, or you cannot have a healthy interest in, in furthering your knowledge in an unknown subject than, you know, without combining it with at least some level of skepticism. Exactly. No, exactly. I mean, yeah. I don't believe this guy. I believe in aliens. I don't believe this guy. It's that Thor, it's that Thor face. Does he know? <laughs> so moving on to howard menger he was born 1922 died in 2009 he was an american whose claims of meeting nordic aliens that became the subject of books he wrote such as from outer space to you and the high bridge incident his first alleged contact with a person from another planet was at the age of 10 in the woods near his hometown of high bridge new jersey what up? oh it's it's probably it was probably a a, a pedophile Wenger <laughs> rose to a little ufology fame when he talked about his encounter with the two friendly, once again, space brothers, who told him that they were from Venus. Later in his life, Menger stated in several documentaries that he believed he had misinterpreted the space aliens and where, the, and where they had come from. He claimed that he now believed the space aliens did not live on Venus, and, but they had bases on Venus, or that they simply were passing by and exploring the planet. Yeah, he said because that, we obviously both know that men are from Mars and women obviously. are from Venus. So, I mean, obviously he didn't. Duh. He was, they were <laughs> so flat wrong. It's not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it. Fix it now. He said that the aliens must have given him false information so that when he told other people about what they had disclosed, no one would believe him. He says that this was a deliberate plan by the aliens so that he would seem crazy and untrustworthy. Really? Really? So they gave they, they swept convenient. you up. They gave you all this knowledge, and then they took you to see the moon. They, yeah, and then they played a prank on you. I mean, that is pretty funny. I that is kind of. <laughs> I mean, just think of like two stoned like alien bros. Just like watch this. They watch end this. up. Yeah, exactly. Dude, how fucking funny would it be if we convinced this motherfucker that we were like from Venus or something? <laughs> which which would be the worst prank ever it's so dumb <laughs> but i mean then again i've done dumber things oh. <laughs> no. it is my opinion that these space travelers may oh no 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 sorry i'm so sorry uh he went so in a book menger claims quote Years ago, on a TV program, when I first voiced my opinion that the people I had met and talked with from the craft might be, not be extraterrestrial, and it was thought that I, was, I had recounted. However, the aliens said that they had just come from the planet we call Venus. It is my opinion that these space travelers may have bypassed or visited other planets, but were not native to those planets any more than our astronauts are native to the moon. 
Mm. So just trying to go on and further explain how it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah. It's just a misunderstanding. Come on, guys. <laughs> Anybody could make that mistake. There are some conspiracy theorists who claim that Menger must have met with evil extraterrestrials instead of the kind Nordics he had originally described, and that they had purposely tricked her, tricked him into believing that there was life on Venus in order to discredit the belief of positive and kind extraterrestrials. <laughs> no, that's like that's some 4D chess right there. <laughs> that's some <laughs> mental backflips. You they were obviously e- evil, evil yeah. because they tricked. They you. weren't good Nordics. They were evil. <laughs> All villains are lemons. <laughs> All right. Uh, so the third encounterer, Travis Walton, who is a famous man. And ufology, he still goes to a bunch of talks and does things to this day, was a forestry worker who had allegedly been abducted in November 5th, 1975, while he was working in the Apache Sitgraves. Apache Sitgraves. I'm doing my best, you guys. No, no, it's okay. <laughs> National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. The Walton it. case. I, it's Arizona. It's fucking uh, New Mexico. Fucking. Deserts. Yes. Yes. <laughs> New Hampshire. New Hampshire. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest <laughs> desert of the world. <laughs> the Walton case received mainstream publicity and remains one of the best well-known alien abduction stories. Well, of course, scientific skeptics consider it to be a massive hoax. I am more inclined to believe Travis Walton more than any of the other two guys. Easily. Easily more than the other two guys. Is that because but he's still doing demonstrations and still talking? No. 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 I, th- I just think that there, there's a little more... There are more people involved than just okay. him. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> According to Walton, a number of other members of the logging and multiple other members of the logging crew on November 5th, 1975, while riding in a truck with six of his co-workers, they allegedly encountered a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away, making a high-pitched buzz. As the truck approached the craft, a sudden beam of light hit them and knocked him unconscious, specifically just Walton. This freaked out the other six men, and they quickly drove away. Walton claimed that he woke up in a hospital-like room, being observed by three short, bald creatures. He claimed that he fought with them until a human-like man wearing a helmet led Walton to another room, where he blacked out as three other humanoids put a clear plastic mask over his face. Walton I've, claims I've, that he... Were... I think I've heard... I've heard... I think I've heard, like, parts of this story. Probably. It's very yeah. well known. Walton claims that he remembers nothing else until he found himself walking along a highway five days later, with the flying saucer departing above him. In the days following Walton's UFO claim, the National Enquirer hmm, awarded Walton and his co-workers a $5,000 prize for, quote, best UFO case of the year. Oh, stop <laughs> after, it. After they, passed, they all passed polygraph tests that were administered by the Enquirer and the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization. Now, did Apro. the other did the other folks get away or were they also abducted? No, they got away. They drove the fuck away. And so was, they were so they were aware that he that they left him gone. behind and that he's been gone and then they find him for 5, five days. days. Later. Okay. Yeah. Um 
Yeah, yeah, nuts. Walton and his older brother and his mother were all described as, quote, longtime students of UFOs by a sheriff of the Navajo County of Arizona. It's, it's hilarious. If a sheriff knows, like, the whole family, they're... Oh, those are longtime students of UFOs. <laughs> yeah, they, they're, they're fans, man. Yeah. <laughs> we, we knew this was going to happen someday. Ufologist Jim Ledwith said, quote, For five days, the authorities thought that he had been murdered by his co-workers, and yeah. then he was returned. All right. of the co-workers who were there, who saw the spacecraft, all took polygraph tests, and all passed except for one, and that one was only deemed inconclusive. Of course, those skeptics who have come after Travis Walton's claims have pointed to polygraph tests not being trustworthy, trustworthy enough to conclude absolute proof that he really experienced what he claims. But Walton has never wavered from his story. And also, I mean, five polygraph tests. I mean, six, including Walton. I mean, and like they are... They, have you ever had a polygraph seven. test done? No. No, I never have. They... Like, so it, it just monitors, like, certain change in the body. So, you know, yeah. blood Your pressure heartbeat, and, yeah. and heart rate and respiration. And, like, they, they monitor all of these visual signs of disturbance. And I would like to say to myself, well, five people can't just all, you know, unilaterally just pass it without having been there. But we think about training in the military when people are, like, designed and, and, and trained to, like, stay calm in these situations. Who's to say... These you know, are the... seven forestry workers. <laughs> well, you know, it was it's been who a just long work week in the woods all day, and they just so they the just they just have military experience of how to pass. Well, not necessarily, tests. not necessarily military experience, but if they're in the woods working all day and they're kind of more reclusive in in that aspect of their job, and they're only surrounded by themselves, it's like that shared collective of this is what we're doing. Now, obviously, I am on this. I I'm still believing it. But that doesn't that out, doesn't automatically you can come up with the best plan in the world that doesn't mean that your body and your natural body's well, reactions to that's things why i was saying to... that's why i was saying like in a, in a, in one way sure it could happen if you were preparing for it five crazy people could all be crazy together or wow that is very accurate because i mean how do you just all pass that and yeah. not have some kind of belief to it all right so now this brings us to our finals. This brings us to our reptilians. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite. Oh, it's my favorite. So reptilians are probably the most talked about aliens in the minds of Americans today. Unfriggin' fortunately. They are the heart... <laughs> they As are I'm like, I'm heart... so excited. I'm so excited. I, You're like, for I, I love reptilians. I think they're great. It's all the people who believe in reptilians that I get. Oh, I want body snatchers, man. I grew, I grew up with. I, yeah, I grew up they are fun like, until QAnon has no longer made them fun well, anymore. That's, that's they have taken true. all of the fun and stripped it and sucked it away. It is. That's I true. just. Mm, I suppose mm. in that in that perspective, we have a solid point. Yeah, they're the heart of the NWO conspiracy theory that if you and if you have been paying attention to any Illuminati conspiracy theories, even slightly, you would know that, you know, people believe that they've taken over the U.S. government. And but now, like I was just saying, the cultish following of QAnon, you've definitely heard about reptilians. If you know yeah. anything about either, you've heard about reptilians. However, the belief in them stems much further back than the birth of that wretched conspiracy theory belief. Honestly, like I was just saying, QAnon is just, it's not fun anymore. 
it's taken all of the joy that looking into stuff like this and like even some more crazy conspiracy theories not just reptilians with that they believe where it's just like it used to be like a fun pastime to be like oh i wonder what some crazies believe and now it's like there are so many of them and they're voting and they're actually affecting my life now yeah and it's not just fun anymore you I mean, even even with the description, even with the description of um, on our previous a previous episode, they describe how uh, reptilians like don't live well amongst any other species of like humans. Anything, any they don't live in cohesive harmony with anything. At least that's how I've I've heard of them. But yet, you know, they live four miles beneath our our Earth's crust in in many. Well, not just that, but that they, they inhabit, like you said, they're body snatchers. So they inhabit a bunch of the, like all of, like most of the celebrities and the people that are high up in the U.S. government. So they've got to be able to cohabitate Those who at least sold a little their bit. soul. You know, you sold your soul to the devil and, you know, you became famous out of nowhere. And really, it's just a lizard that snatched your body. That snatched your I body. I do think it's fascinating because even when, even with Thomas Costello, again, like mentioning, like the, doing the whistleblowing uh, from the Dulce base, he's like, on that last level, he's like, they're... He's like, there are reptilians and they sit in the dark and, and they're being fed like the innards of humans. And then they just say, take over their flesh and bodies. And I'm like, that's gnarly. It's so cool. See, that's great. That's great. (laughs) I love that. But now you got people who are like. Then you got to do that. Then you got to do that. And then you go and make it. Yeah, exactly. I'm fun. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't. If the reality, if, if the reality, they've is taken everything reality, to such an extreme really level fun. that it's actually concerning. You know, <laughs> it's not true. just like, oh, this is fun. This is the, you know, like mildly entertaining, and I'm having a good time reading about this crazy, you know, like thought experiment, basically. And yeah. instead, you've got these others who are just... they're out there voting. That's right. I remember this. <laughs> so for the purpose of the show, I'm I'm going to completely ignore their existence because I don't want to give them the time of day. However, though, I I did really enjoy. Uh, last, I was pretty, I was more than mildly entertained last November when all those fuckers were out on the grassy knoll, like, in in the rain, in Texas, in November, seriously waiting for JFK to just show up, because they truly, truly believed that he faked his own death, but the return, but would return, like, to help Trump be president again because out of everything that has happened in history nothing about are you serious i don't actually know all of these QAnon people showed up last november on the the anniversary of jfk being shot they showed up and they were out in the rain for hours hundreds of people with like shirts and flags that said um kennedy trump 2024 like legitimately waiting oh, for him to oh, come oh, back oh, oh 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 okay okay i remember they the logo seriously thought and this wasn't a joke this wasn't like everybody showing up to you know area 51 we're like we're gonna storm area 51 and it was all like a big collective joke taking pictures this together like was not it. a joke people were ready and that like at the precise minute an hour that he was shot they started reciting like in this big chant the pledge of allegiance and then it was just so fucking funny watching like all of their stupid faces just like kind of oh he's like a couple hours have passed i guess he's not coming and then have to do like the charlie brown walk back to their cars (laughs) the michael sarah yes yeah it was pretty nourishing to my soul honestly just like the confusion, the true confusion of their face that this 
ex-president didn't in fact fake his death and that getting Trump to be president again was not the most important thing that has ever happened in the country and that he would just magically come back. Like, oh God, it's just, oh, oh that's amazing. fantastic. I gotta, I gotta look into that a little bit more. It's great. It is a, it, it, it just kind of mm, quenches the soul of when you just need to <laughs> laugh in people's face for being the worst. But once again, those people vote. So it's only fun to a point. Yeah, I'm more concerned about the <laughs> Anyway, back to Anyways, <laughs> guys, sorry about that. Actually, you know what? I'm not fucking sorry. I'm not. We're moving I'm not. On. Reptilians, also called reptoids, archons, reptilioids, saurians, and draconians are supposedly reptilian humanoids, humanoids which play a huge role in American conspiracy theory. Michael... Michael Barkin, professor of political science at Syracuse University, believes that the conspiracy stems from none other than the Conan the Barbarian creator, Robert E. (laughs) Howard. (laughs) Oh, I love it. I fucking loved those shows. That and and Xena. Yeah, oh, so good. (laughs) In his story, The Shadow Kingdom, that was published in 1929, there were a lot of themes that stemmed from Helena Blavatsky's The Secret Doctrine, written in 1888. That he had reference to, that had reference to, quote, dragon men who held mighty civilizations on the fabled lost continent of Lemuria. Lemuria is kind of kin to the city of Atlantis in that they both supposedly sank into the sea and that there is absolutely no scientific evidence that hints towards either of their existences. Absolutely. I I actually love that theory of it, too. I do. I love that theory. Yeah, it's all good. In the Shadow Kingdom, Howard's serpent men had human bodies with snake-like heads who were able to imitate humans at will, who lived in an underground passage and used their shape-changing and mind-controlling abilities to infiltrate humanity. Please go back and listen to the Dulce Base episode for more details. Please. Honestly, it's guys. Great. Oh, I love it. I loved that episode so much, and there's still so much to report on. Oh, I know. It's, it's, it's never-ending. So, and yeah, you'll, you'll find out what more of what people think that they're I up just... to. When I was that editing episode. that episode, I was I was seeing like these long trains of just like me talking, and I would stop and I'd listen at a certain moment, and I was just like talking really fast, and I'd get into the certain point when I would just go go blah, 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 and I'm like okay, even I myself as a listener, so I do apologize. Sometimes I get very excitable. Um, I was very excited about that. Episode. Just a little bit, just a little bit. We've gotten better yeah. <laughs> at like calming down, but sometimes we both just get way too excited. <laughs> did you know? Did you see? Did you hear about this? Did you hear about this? <laughs> no, but did you hear about this? Oh. <laughs> Carol, Carol. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One of the earliest reports of a supposed reptilian encounter was that of Ashland, Nebraska police officer Herbert Shermer. Fucking Shermer. Nebraska. Hey, hey, hey. I can't. I can't hey. without thinking of children of the corn. Outlander! We have your woman, Outlander! And I think of those corn, the corn dolls, and like knowing that you had a like a period of your life there. I was born there. Like, I, I I said a period of your life. You also went back, didn't you? I did. You went back. Yeah, yeah, I lived yeah. there for a while. But like just the corn dolls and corn this and corn that and corn corn corn. It's cone. Well, yeah, man. It's Nebraska. It's, it's cone. It's cone. <laughs> it's, cone. Mm, it's good. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, so Herbert Sherman. <laughs> Shermer went uh, under uh, 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 Herbert Langer wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I could think of. <laughs> Herbert Langer. 
Herberger? Herberger. <laughs> anyway, he went under hypnosis, <laughs> under hypnosis, and recalled being taken aboard a UAP in 1967 by humanoid beings with a slightly reptilian appearance who wore, quote, a winged serpent emblem on their left side of their chest. Oh, it's dope. For those who believe in reptilians, they are an ever-present threat that have already taken over American government and media and are secretly running the world. And all of us are in danger of potentially having our minds, bodies, or both being controlled by these lizard overlords. If you go I'm online... Trying... <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying to imagine owning lizards. Like, you know, like the Tegus. The big lizard enthusiasts. Keep an eye on them. <laughs> yeah, just... It just zooms in, you know, the family's yeah. having a good lunch. It just zooms in to the still lizard in the corner. <laughs> just they licks its know. eyeball. <laughs> they do not know what bestows upon them. <laughs> My people will come and they will rescue me from the shady... Oh, oh, cricket. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a nice cricket. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> if you go online and you know where to look, you can find many different theories on how to protect yourself from possible reptilian attacks. However, according to UFO Chick on DavidIke.com, some of us are more at risk than others if we possess, quote, reptilian-compatible bloodlines. Well, so she there, she clearly knows what's up. Does does that does that is that like a racial thing? Is it like like, like I or is it, it like did, a regional she did thing? Not go. She did not go into further description. Then don't fucking say it, right? Right. Not you, her. Not, not you, her. Like, don't just say, well, if you're compatible. Anyways, moving on. Well, who's compatible? Who's yeah. compatible? Lady? I could be at risk. You have to do a blood test. You gotta find out. You gotta find out. You have to do your own research. I'm not here to educate you. I'm just here to... There's like a shady, you get a, you get your 23 and me back, and there's an asterisk. You get, there's an asterisk, and at the bottom Highly it says... compatible. <laughs> <laughs> what 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 is what is this small fine print? Highly compatible with lizards. I I uh Fuck now I, I want to I should really protect myself. I should really protect myself now. I mean shit. I'm walking down the street and there's a lizard and like Not today. Just start going on like a rampage of killing all reptiles in your area. Oh, it'd be that would awful. Be terrible. Thankfully, though. We're yeah. both like, no. Don't do it, you guys. Please don't do it. We're obviously on the side of the draconians. <laughs> Thankfully, though, according to UFO Chick, <laughs> even if a person has compatible bloodlines, quote, they will not become a reptilian unless a reptilian entirely inhabits their physical body. So, bitch. What does it matter if I have reptilian blood, like compatible bloodlines or not? If a reptilian is still going to be able to inhabit my body, regardless. Yeah, it doesn't sound consensual. <laughs> no, it does it's sa- it, never. Consensual. It does sound like it does sound like that. You're gonna need more sugar. <laughs> more, yeah, more sugar. sugar. Egg, egger, egg, egger. You don't seem right, egger. <laughs> But thank you, UFO chick. We can all sleep a little bit more soundly tonight, I guess. <laughs> David Icke believes that, quote, thousands of years ago, the reptilian beings from the constellation Orion, Sirius, and Draco intervened on planet Earth and began interbreeding along with humans. 
Not physically, however, but rather through the manipulation of the human coding or DNA. Ike also states that this is no coincidence that humans have fundamental reptilian genetics within their brains. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, 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 mm. All right, so you guys, I seriously wish this next part was a joke, but unfortunately this actually happened. In 2020, at the height of the coronavirus, a video of a Houston pediatrician, Stella Emanuel, was shared by Trump on social media where she claimed that hydroxychloroquine was a cure for COVID with absolutely no scientific evidence to back up her claims. And she was like, I've seen, I've treated like 350 people. None of them have died. I take it all the time. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's perfect. It's a cure for, for COVID. And then Fauci was like, please. For the love of God, don't take that. It causes, like, really messed up heart rhythms. It's not good for you. It's not a cure for COVID at all. Please don't take it. But she doubled down. She doubled down. <laughs> yeah, she, social media sites ended up removing the video due to its harmful repercussions. But that did not stop her, either her or the Donald, from doubling down on their outrageous claims. But this wasn't the first time that Dr. Emmanuel made wildly insane statements. In a 2015 video, Emmanuel, who she was also like a, a pastor as well, um, she leads a religious group called the Firepower Ministries, said that, quote, there are people ruling this nation that are not even human, describing oh. them as reptilian spirits who are, quote, half human, half extraterrestrial. She also claimed that some medicines are made from alien DNA. This is a pediatrician. She sees actual people. And children. Children. She, people are bringing their children to this woman. Stop it. <laughs> Please stop it. She also claims that um, some of women's health issues are stemmed from dreaming about sex with demons. So we all got to stop that, I guess. I mean, darn. No. <laughs> In one interview, she is practically yelling at the interviewer that demons exist and are sleeping with people every night. Like, she is outraged. She's like, I'm speaking the truth. That's why people are scared of trying to silence me. I'm, I'm telling the truth. Of course they're worried. She's freaking out. Apparently, the demons take on the form of a woman, sleep with a man to collect their sperm, and then reproduce more of themselves after they've collected that said a, sperm. A succubus. Yeah, basically. She also believes that doctors are creating vaccines that will make people anti-religious. God, I only hope. We call we call it, we call it we call it you know the search for knowledge. <laughs> Science. Mm-hmm. Oh God, it would be one thing if this was just like a collective joke that everyone could enjoy together, but then you once again you realize she votes. She's taking care of children on a daily basis, and. It's just, yeah. And unfortunately, for some re weird reason, there are people who cling on to this bullshit and truly believe that she is speaking the truth. Whether it's because they're extremely, you know, it, this this holds true, like, for a lot of, like, evangelical, like, beliefs, you know, where they believe that demons are sleeping with people and that they're, they're a lot of, you know, evangelicals are at the right. heart of QAnon as well. So it, it's, uh, it's just, ugh. Come on, you guys. Those are her Don't own, believe own, this own episodes stuff. Own because they're fascinating stories of why people do believe them. You know, they come from their, they come from their own line of lore, which is yeah. so yeah. fascinating to read about. But similar to what <clears throat> Lainey and I are doing right here, I mean, yes, we believe in UFOs, but do we believe that 
every single reported event is is a is a UFO like incident. No, but we are interested in the, in the quest for knowledge. But we're not going exactly. to be standing outside with, you know, a, a protest signs looking for alien and UFO rights. Because... Yeah, and fighting you <clears throat> out, going out and like actively fighting you about your beliefs that they yes. don't exist or anything, you know, and like saying that you're just yeah. Although I did get into a fight with my, my partner. I think I said this in the last episode because I said it was selfish to not believe in aliens. And he was just like, how dare you? How dare you? <laughs> he's, a very, he's a very particular person with his set of ideas. Well. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very. He's not even like, a naysayer. He's not no, even he's like. he's just in his lane. And like, like he doesn't, when, it, when you question that, he's like, well, I mean, are you ready? for this question that you're and he's also like Like... the least selfish person on earth and i don't think that i think he took it more personally than i meant it i wasn't like specifically calling him as a person selfish you know i was just saying i think it it, it, it's a selfish idea to think that we're completely alone and that our you know if that makes sense i wasn't saying that you as a person are selfish yeah yeah i think that's a selfish idea Yeah, I think it's a selfish idea to hold. I don't think that necessarily makes you a selfish person. They're two different things. Anyway. (laughs) Reptilians are so much a part of the anti-government agenda that it's honestly kind of hard to enjoy them, like I said, because people take it to such extreme and dangerous limits that it's hard to find the fun in it. There are still people trying to spread the word that Obama is a reptilian in disguise, and they constantly point to a video of him catching a fly out of midair as proof that he has beyond human capabilities. I mean, they did I that mean, in Karate Kid, so... I mean, <clears throat> right! Right! There are many government officials and celebrities that have been accused of being reptilians with the goal of enslaving the whole of the human race, but let's be honest, the only real reptilian in government is none other than the turtle himself, Mitch McConnell. We can all agree oh. on that. <laughs> <laughs> he is too turtly for the turtle club. He how, is. How is he even? I, I don't know. There needs to be term limitations. Term limitations, people. <laughs> so let this be a warning to you all. Extinction is a lie. Reptilians are walking and slithering <laughs> among us as we speak. If you know in your heart of hearts that reptilians exist, then you might as well just barricade yourself into your homes, disconnect all phones and internet, and refrain from speaking to any other humans ever again. Mostly so we don't have to deal with you. Yeah, because I'd rather, <laughs> deal, I'd rather deal with the fucking reptilians at this point. Honestly. It would, it would be a quicker death. <laughs> from, what I have heard, from what I have heard, it's only the greys who... who uh, at, at least in regards to certain bases, there are. It's only the greys that are experimenting on you. It's the reptilians that are waiting for the garbage chute. Oh they're, yeah, they're they're they're, they're not. Wait. They might yeah. do like, an experiment here and there, but they're mostly after eating you and taking over your life. Yeah, they need the sustenance and they need obviously fame and fortune. Exactly. They want to rule this world. <laughs> because if because ah! if they couldn't, well, there are a lot of theories as to why that they're not just surface dwelling and why they have to be in separate skin. But like those are still completely unfounded because the idea is if they could just take over everything, then why wouldn't they? Oh, because yeah, of the just sun do- and all this stuff. Well, if they're so advanced and they're living four miles beneath our fucking earth, they would have a plan, right? You would think mm-hmm. after all of these years, well, the Illuminati has been around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You'd think they would have gotten some shit figured out by now. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, 19, the 1930s was a nice pivotal point, a pivotal, pivotal point for the New World Order, the Illuminati. So, 
So yeah, guys, those are some of the top alien species. I didn't even get into tulpas or men in black or any of the oh, other areas. I love the I love the topic of tulpas. Those are so. I know it's really fascinating. It is really fascinating. Just yeah. yeah, go look up a tulpa. It's basically, if you think it, you believe it. It's true. Slenderman. You bring it into being, and there are real wor- world repercussions. I dropped my pen again. What a piece of shit. I know I am. I am. I know what I am. So yeah, guys, thank you so much for joining us for yet another Alien episode. And we had so much fun doing the research on this. It was really a blast. And we're so glad we could we could do this. So it, won't be the, it won't be the last time, yeah, for sure. <laughs> that we know of. So. All right, this was great. Thank you guys again so much. And if you ever want to get a hold of us, please never hesitate to reach out either on our Google uh, email. You can reach us at contagiouscuriositypod at gmail.com. You can also head on over to Instagram and find us at Kat and Laney. That's at K-A-T-A-N-D-L-A-N-E-Y. And yeah, we also, both Kat and I are moderating um, our Reddit stuff and we're just sharing cool things that we find on there, random information. Mm-hmm. Kat's also running the TikTok. The TikTok and the Twitter, under the same name, uh, Kat and Laney. So it's easy to find us. Uh, but honestly, just Google Contagious Curiosity. Um, yeah, you'll And you're going to we'll find pop us up. now. We're starting to pop up, um, and it's really nice. So it's just really great to be here. It's We're absolutely loving just being able to just talk and do what we would normally do, but just for you as well. Yeah, getting so much awesome feedback is great, and we we really appreciate that you guys enjoy our pushiness, our you know homebrewed pushiness of that we make mistakes. Um, Kat and I realized a couple of episodes ago <laughs> that we didn't edit out the part where Kat literally pissed her pants. So if you managed to miss that episode, please go back and listen to the devastating. Tale yeah, of Cynthia Likens, which is the most horrifically depressing story there is in true crime, and then just to get a nice brief reprieve of cat pissing her pants. I mean, so I decided to leave it in. I did. I just well, yeah. After we found point? out, it was just yeah. It's too good. Yeah, that was the best way. That was the best way of finding out. So I'm I'm literally talking to somebody on the phone, and they're like, you know. You guys' episodes, I like I like the, the progression and where, where you guys are going. You know, the episodes and the audio sound a little better. And, man, I love when you guys go off script. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? And they're like, well, you know, sometimes you just do really bizarre and interesting things that don't seem like they're a part of the episode at all. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, I'm like, yeah, sometimes we just go off on tangents. And she's like, no. She's like, I'm pretty certain that you pissed yourself. And she's like, <laughs> and it was followed by, like, Eight minutes of silence. And I was like, other than me choking on laughter, you just hear me not able to breathe because I'm laughing so freaking hard that I can't contain myself. Like on the floor dying. Oh, and I'm so screaming and I'm screaming at her from the other just just maintaining a full conversation with her from from the bathroom. Oh, it's it's classic. But so I that's that's the in. kind of entertainment you get from us. You get raw, uh, yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> True. And that's of the thing. Who we is are as disgusting humans. We're not like we're not sitting over here trying to like, you know, compare with Joe Rogan's podcast. You know what I'm saying? No. We're literally just doing this for fun. Exactly. Um, and for people who tune in, that's great. But like, this is just something that we're really enjoying, and we're, we're really enjoying the people that we get to meet, the people that are connecting with us on social media, the the community that we're starting to become more a little bit more involved with. So we really just at the core of who we are. 
wanted to be ourselves. <laughs> exactly. So, and you are getting so there that. There you go. There you go. You are getting it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your weekend and just live it up. We love you so much. And we will be back in your ear holes real, real soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Cheers. A falling person will reach terminal velocity after about 12 seconds, falling some 450 meters in that time. That person will not fall any faster than that, so it makes no difference what distance they fall.